Are you looking for new, creative ways to help you get your head straight? It's not your fault when you're struggling to relax or confidence is holding you back. You just haven't learned the best tools to deal with your situation. Open Forwards helps you break the vicious cycles that are making you unhappy. Head on over to www.openforwards.com and check out our online courses, expert guides, free articles and specialist psychotherapy to help you work, love, play and feel better. That's www.openforwards.com stress, anxiety, depression, relationships, well-being and mental health. Each episode we focus on a self-help tool you can use in your own life. We look at what works and you can hear me speak with some of the world's leading experts on psychological health. My name is Jim Lucas, I'm your host and founder and therapist trainer at Open Forwards, a psychology service based online and in Birmingham in the UK. And did you also know that you can leave a rating and a review of this show over on iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play? There are links on the page and it takes just a couple of minutes of your time and it really does help the show to get noticed and to reach many more people. Today, I'm going to speak to you about gratitude. I'm going to speak to you about meaning in life and how much these two things can help with depression. Whether you're looking for ways to recover from depression or to protect yourself against it, in case you've had it before, protecting yourself for it coming back, going forwards, this episode should give you some useful pointers. Now, personally speaking, gratitude's quite important in my life, but it doesn't come natural to me. I've noticed that I need to work at it. Let me give you an example. I'm lucky enough to live near this amazing park and it's a huge park with the woods in it, it's got a playground for the kids, outdoor gym machines, it even has a nine hole municipal golf course in it. Sounds posh right? But it's more of a community park, in fact it's run by a local community trust. It doesn't get council funding like most parks in my home city. So it depends on donations, uh, income from events and also fees from the golf club. In fact, the golf club fees make the park possible. It pays for most of the maintenance and improvements and it's run by volunteers. Recently, the trust decided to put up a fence inside the park to separate the walk around the outside from the golf fairways. Reason being that too many people were going on the course and interrupting play for the golfers. Now, We're not going to break out the violins for golfers here. It's not easy to feel sorry for the average golfer. But this kind of golf course isn't this rich-only affair. It's more of a community golf course, like I said, for people with not a lot of money. It runs free camps for kids in the holidays. 
it's for people in the local area. It's for local people. Now, as you can imagine, not everyone appreciated this new fence. Many people seemed to object to it, making superficial complaints about how it restricted them, how it stopped them, and asking why a golf was more important than they are. In truth, they're not, and they weren't being treated as such. But the park does need to keep up the income to ensure the survival and improvements in the park. And it's practical. Now, this fence isn't offensive. It's made up of posts about three feet high with wire between them, and they've planted small hedgerows along them to make it more attractive, which will also attract small bird wildlife and undoubtedly enrich the ecosystem of the park. Now, you might have picked up that the complaints annoyed me. Why can't people be grateful that the park is just there? If they don't support how it's going to be managed, then the park might not be there in the future. And then what are they going to do? Why can't people adapt and appreciate what they have? Now, what I discovered recently at the weekend was when I was walking around with my family, that someone or a small group of people have been cutting through the fence and pulling up these new hedgerows. It made me so angry. So angry that I caught myself obsessing about it as we were walking along. Now I know my anger is understandable, and I'm not the only one. Many people who go to the park are outraged by the criminal damage. But I was later struck by some irony in my complaining. I was complaining about the lack of gratitude that these vandals and other complaints were having, whilst simultaneously failing to notice what I appreciated or was grateful for. So, what I'm saying here is that gratitude doesn't come naturally to me. But I guess what I was able, I was able to get there in a shorter space of time than I used to. And I think that's because I've worked at it in the last few years. Recognising my natural tendency to put myself first, I've worked to make gratitude a daily practice. And it's paid off. I can use it more easily, more readily. It's not a flawless venture. Often I forget as I get caught up in other stuff. And that's natural and it's okay. I can live with that. I merely use gratitude as a compass point to help me get back on track with what's most important. So gratitude is an interesting area to me. And we're going to be looking, like I said, at how this relates to depression. Ingratitude is a behaviour that positive psychology has explored over the years and I recently read a piece of research that investigated the effects of gratitude on depression. But not only gratitude, it also looked at meaning in life. Gratitude and meaning in life. And this study wanted to understand whether these two practices could decrease levels of depression. And when it comes to understanding what makes depression worse, we know some important things. We know that depression is made worse by overthinking or dwelling on why you can't stop feeling depressed. We know that it's made worse through inactivity and withdrawing from people. We know that it's made worse by hopelessness, self-blame or self-criticism. We also know that it's made worse by higher, persistent levels of anxiety and worry. And we also know that depression is made worse by 
Overdependence on others and low self-esteem. Depression is also worse when people experience more negative life events, like losses in relationship breakdowns, bereavements, job losses, losses of dreams and aspirations, and also difficult transitions in life, like moving locations, becoming a parent, or losing your parental role as the kids fly the nest or get older. So what the researchers in this paper wanted to explore was did being more grateful and having more meaning in life generate more positive life events for people that then reduced their depressive experiences? This study came out in 2016, published in the Cognitive Therapy and Research Journal, have four authors, David Disabato, Todd Cashton, Jerome Short and Jordan Aaron. Based on their existing knowledge, they hypothesised four things. They hypothesised that personality strengths predict increases in positive life events, that positive life events predict decreases in depression, that effects of personality strengths would be weaker if people have strong depression to start with, and that the effects of positive life events uh, on people with uh, higher levels of initial depression would be much more impacting, they'd be much more effective. You can read about this full paper, um, I've put a link to it in the show notes below. Since the 1970s, from Lewinson's work, we've known that fewer depressive episodes are associated with having more frequent pleasant activities. So it seems reasonable to assume that having more frequent positive events in your life would reduce the occurrence or severity of depression. And this is what they set out to understand. Having lots of positive events sounds great, of course, but how do you make that happen? People's lives aren't created equal. Many people have it hard. And you might first think that has a lot to do with your health, money and opportunity. And probably it does. But what these authors explored was does gratitude and meaning in life also create more positive life events? And I like this because it reminds me that having money is not the source of happiness. It reminds me that whatever our misfortune or deep suffering, it's possible to focus on something that's independent of wealth, power, social standing or trauma. And if you doubt this, just pick up a Viktor Frankl book or read Nelson Mandela's biography. Get to know Maya Angelou, Malala Yousafi or read The Wave by Sonali Dariangala. These people show unbelievable courage and determination to keep going despite what happened to them. One of the strengths of this study was it was a large number of occupants. It surveyed nearly 800 people across 43 different countries. And using various measures, they assessed people's levels of depression, gratitude, meaning in life, and of course, positive life events. They published their results from two follow-ups as well, looking at three months and six months as well, to see what happened over time. And what they discovered was this, that after three months, gratitude and meaning in life 
did predict significant increases in positive life events. That after three months, increases in positive life events led to decreases in depressive experience. And in addition, they found that it didn't matter whether people were experiencing mild, moderate or more severe depression. Positive life events were beneficially equal. So these are pretty significant results. The story of six months was a little different. They found that gratitude and meaning in life did not predict increases in positive life events and that positive life events did not influence a decrease in depression. So what we can say is the effects of these things are short-lived. So what else does that tell us? Well, it probably suggests a few different things. Firstly, it suggests that the initial benefits wear off, probably because of the low mood, lethargy and motivation associated with depression, and that these things undermine the effects of positive life events. So positive life events on their own aren't enough to prevent the return of depressive experiences. Additional factors generate depressive experiences. This is probably a second possibility. Additional factors generate depressive experiences. For example, hopelessness, self-blame and criticism. Increases in anxiety or limited skills to deal with troublesome thinking. Over-dependence on others or acting as if your painful self-beliefs are true. Which we all do. Because it feels unnatural or awkward to go against what our negative self-stories are. The person who feels worthless doesn't naturally go out and get to know other people, take risks, use self-care and compassion, developing close ties with people over time. Their story would suggest that it's more coherent or natural to keep your distance or to withdraw. It's normal to put yourself down or to rely on yourself um, as much as possible. So this paper suggests that it's important to build lifestyles that consistently generate positive life events month by month. It tells us that practicing gratitude and finding meaning in life can create initial and short-term reductions in depression, no matter how strong your depression is. It makes the point that traditional therapies are effective in reducing depression, but don't eliminate it that once you've had therapy, lower levels of depression often remain and that this is a risk factor for the depression coming back or undermining your ability to function when you feel low. They suggest, and I agree with this point, that well-being needs to be incorporated into therapies. That if you're having CBT, interpersonal therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, or whatever therapy you're having, that by focusing on well-being, like focusing on connection, being active, giving to others and yourself, learning, and slowing down and taking notice of things, that you'll build a lifestyle that creates more positive life events and then protects you against lower levels of depression. Okay. So let's summarise this. Let's, let's come up with some take-home lessons of what we've talked about today. 
First of all, depression is made worse by negative life events, as well as self-criticism, over-dependence on others, poor anxiety management skills and hopelessness. That's point one. Point two is a focus on increasing positive life events works to alleviate depression in the short term for a few months. A third point is that gratitude and meaning in life can generate positive life events in the short term that then reduce these depressive experiences. So practicing gratitude, practicing meaning, getting practicing meaning in life means kind of getting more in touch with what you're what you want from life, what you really value at a deeper level. And um, we've talked about this on the blog and in previous episodes of this podcast as well. The fourth point is, as time goes by, between about three to six months, these tools of gratitude and living by purpose will start to lose their potency. So you'll need to focus on additional processes that make it worse. For example, like building self-compassion, tackling anxiety difficulties, tackling worry problems, and tackling hopeless rumination. And the fourth point is you'll need to work out how you can keep doing stuff that generates positive life events. For example, by remaining grateful or acting with purpose. By learning methods that improve your abilities to do that. Can you put systems in place that help you do that month by month? Can you be part of a community where other people are really invested in that? And so by being around them, you're really kind of supporting each other. That that is a really essential part of a system. And the last point here is that you can explore the range of positive life events across the areas of your life. For example, are they just taking place in your work and not in your relationships? Then what you're looking for in that area is maybe something more in more something that's to do with connection, more something about how you want to be as a person to others. Could be the other way around though as well. Are you stepping yourself outside your comfort zone to um, develop in the way you want to develop with your work and your career? So what do you want to happen? And what will take you away from that? And what will take you towards that? The ACT matrix is a useful tool for identifying those actions, those behaviours. You can hear more about that in a conversation I had with Benji Shondoff back in episode number nine. So that's for our take-home points today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Let me know in the comments section below what you found useful, helpful, or to ask any follow-up questions about what we've covered. There are some useful links in the show notes, and you can check out our short online course called Five Daily Helpers which is all about finding purpose and meaning to reduce depression and increase motivation. Check that out on our online courses page and sign up. They start at just £7.95 and you can choose the best package to support the level, uh, to suit the level of support that you're after. Have a great April spring, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere that is. And for my friends down below, have a good autumn. Take care, be brave, be gentle. And see you next month.